Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Oh, it's great to see you guys. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus. Thank you for joining us as well. And, and listen, if this is your first time joining us today, we really mean what we say in that welcome video. We're not going to do anything crazy. We're not going to make you introduce yourself or ask you for anything. But I do want you to know that whoever brought you to church or whoever invited you to church, they owe you lunch, all right? They need to take you out to lunch. So you remind them, hey, Pastor Scott said that you're supposed to buy lunch. Even if they make some lame excuse, like they can't do it today, you hold them accountable in, in the weeks coming. But we are so glad, seriously, that you've joined us, that you've taken time out of your schedule to be with us. And really, it's kind of an exciting time because we've been in this series called FaithWorks. And what we've been doing each week is seeing how practical our faith is and how our faith really works. And and listen, I know some of you are are still investigating faith. You're still, you know, all right, I'm, I'm trying to figure out God. I'm trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing. That's fine. It doesn't matter where you're at on the spiritual journey, a lot of the things that we're talking about in this series can help us in life. But so each week we've been taking something to see if we'll apply it, how our faith truly works. And so the first week we talked about temptation, right? You remember that? And how we don't have to entertain every thought that comes into our mind. We don't have to let it lead to sin in our life. And then we talked about anger and how we have to be quick to speak or not quick to speak. See, we have to be, I'm just testing y'all, making sure you're paying attention. We have to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at that speaking part more today. And then we did two weeks and we looked at emotional health and how we have a faith that truly helps us with our emotional health each and every day. And then we looked at respect, how our faith encourages us to show respect to everyone to not show partiality or prejudice to anyone, no matter how different they are than we may be. And then we talked about patience, how we have a faith that allows us to truly be patient. Now, next week, I've invited Kristen Crocker, who is our youth director, to come and to share with us. She's the one that works with your teenagers each and every week. God bless her for doing that, right? But I've asked her to come and to share how we have a faith that works when we face an uncertain future. And we do, we face an uncertain future. But when you look at at like that age group she works with, your teenagers, your middle and your high schoolers, they face a definite uncertain future. And the things that they worry about at their age are maybe different than if you're my age or even younger than I am. And I think she's going to be able to bring a great perspective to that. So today, what are we going to talk about today? And I thought, well, I'll just start off by asking you a question. I just want you to kind of reflect on this, but when you think about spiritual maturity, oh, this person is spiritually mature, what do you think about? What what does that person look like, or, or what are some of the characteristics of that person? And if you grew up in the church world, maybe you think, well, somebody who's spiritually mature is somebody who comes to church all the time. They're at church almost every week, or they're a person who's generous, You know, they support God's work in the church financially. 
or you think, well, it's that person that knows the Bible inside and out, and they can quote the book and the verse in exactly where it's at. Or maybe you say it's somebody who serves. They, they volunteer consistently. And all of those things absolutely can point us towards spiritual maturity. But what we're going to look at today, I think we will all agree, is one of the greatest signs of spiritual maturity in our life, if not the greatest sign of spiritual maturity in our life, and that's the fact that we can control our words. James, who we've been looking a lot in the book of James, but James talks about our words so much in multiple chapters. But in James chapter 1, verse 26, this is the first verse we're going to look at today. And if you want access to those notes or to follow along with those notes, they're on that Church Center app. Download that on your phone. Even if you're watching with our online campus, you can just download that to your phone or you can scan that QR code. But James says this, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Now, I don't think it can really get any more clear than that. If we don't control our tongue, then our religion is worthless. In other words, we're not very spiritually mature. And I think back, you know, maybe some of the churches I've been in, some of the people I've met, some of the things that have been said in the church about other people or other churches or organizations or things even that that I've said. And I realized looking back, man, I wasn't very spiritually mature at all. Because I couldn't control my mouth and I couldn't control my tongue and the things that were coming out of my mouth. And so we're going to look at why this is such a big deal to God, why this is so important to God. And we're going to look at the third chapter of James because he goes back again, you know, and he's talking about controlling what we say. And what we're going to discover before we leave here today is that we have a faith that allows us to do that. We have a faith that allows us to control our mouth. So this is a rather lengthy passage, but I want to read it all in its entirety. And then what we'll do is we'll kind of go back and we'll dissect it a little bit. But James chapter three, verse one through 12, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, I'd like to just cut that verse out, you know, because that that verse truly scares me to death. But then he says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. 
Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Now, does anybody just love that passage? You know, that's the one I got on my refrigerator or on the mirror in my bathroom. Probably not. Why? Because it hits us all. Doesn't it? It hits us all square between the eyes. If we can't control what we say, it's always going to get us in trouble. If we can't control our mouth, it's always going to cause us problems. The good news is we have a faith that will help us to filter what we say. And so why is this so important? And that's what I want to look at, because James gives us reasons why, in this passage, why this should be on the top of our list of things to work on, right, or things to do. So learning number one, our words control the direction of our life. That's what he's saying. Our words have a lot of influence and a lot of control over our lives, and we don't even realize it. I mean, if you want to know where someone's heading or what's going on in their life, just listen to them. Listen to what they talk about. Listen to what they speak about the most, and you'll know the direction that they're heading in because of the words that come out of their mouth. In the tongue, James says, it's such a small part of our makeup. It's such a small part of our body, yet it controls so much. And the first example he uses is a bit in a horse's mouth. And you think about it, a horse weighs, what, 10, 12, 15 times more than we do. Yet with a little bit in its mouth, we can control the direction of that horse. We can control everything about that horse. With a little bit of control over our words, we can control where we're heading and where we're going. If we don't, we're going to get off course. Same with the ship. And then he goes into a ship and the rudder. And you think about these big cruise ships and there's a little rudder on the back that steers that ship wherever the captain wants that boat to go. Our mouth is like that rudder on the ship. Our words either keep us on course or they drive us off course. Those of you that are parents that have kids, think about this for a minute. Obviously, our words control us. They control the direction of our lives, but they also control our kids. Our words control the direction of our kids' lives. And that's scary to think about. The littlest thing that we say to our children could impact them for the rest of their lives. And that doesn't just stop when they're 18 and hopefully they're out of the house, right? That's for the rest of their lives. Our words have tremendous influence on them. So our tongue isn't just the rudder in the bit for our lives, it's the rudder in the bit for our children's lives as well. And that's a huge responsibility. But again, the good news and what James is telling us here is we have a faith that can help us with the way that we speak. And you know, sometimes we don't need to speak at all, right? Sometimes uh, the most faithful thing we could do is say nothing at all. People will, will say, hey, Scott, I'm going to visit somebody in the hospital, or I'm going to visit my friend who's really, really sick, and I don't know what to say. Sometimes we don't need to say anything at all. 
Proverbs 13.3 says, Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. That is so true. Another reason we have to let our faith work and watch what we say is learning number two. Our words can destroy our lives. That's what James is saying. Our tongue can destroy our life quicker than just about anything else. In in verse 5, he says, you know, the tongue makes grand speeches. It, It boasts. A small spark sets a forest on fire. And that's what our tongue does. It sets things on fire. And we know that lightning, you know, if it hits in the right conditions, that a spark from that lightning can set a whole forest on fire. Just burn thousands and thousands of acres. When uh, we went fishing about four years ago in Canada, we saw this. It was just charred for, for as far as the eye could see, and it had started by lightning. But we also know a careless camper or a careless hiker or a careless homeowner can start a fire, right? But we can also start a fire with our words. Think about gossip. That's how we start fires with our words, and and it, it spreads quickly, doesn't it? Just like a fire, gossip does. And it wreaks havoc on everything in its path. A lot of us have witnessed it. A lot of us have experienced it, but a lot of us have been involved with gossip, and it destroys the body of Christ, the church, more than anything that I can think of. But people can use their words to set others and to set things on fire. And a lot of times the wrong word coming out of our mouth, it just makes things worse. It can destroy people. Think about it. Words can destroy dating relationships. Words can destroy marriages. Words can destroy friendships. Words can destroy churches. Words can destroy organizations and places of business. Proverbs 18.21 says, words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. And we're going to have to live with the consequences of the things that we say. And that's why James is warning us that this is so important to God. And then in verse 6, He said, our tongue corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life, sets our whole life on fire, and is set on fire by hell itself, our tongue is. So our tongue really is the part of our body that creates the most shame in us. We think sometimes it's because of what we've done or maybe how we feel one day or how we look one day that's embarrassing and it's causing us shame. No, it's our tongue that creates the shame. Our, our, our tongue also is the part of our body that sins the most. Think about that for a minute. Things like gossip, lying, cursing someone, deceiving someone, you know, bragging or boasting. What about flattery? When we flatter somebody because we have an ulterior motive, it's sinful judging someone, all of those are sins of the mouth. Now, we've done a great job, those of us that would say, yeah, I'm a Christian, we've done a great job over the year of sanitizing those types of sins, right? The sins of the mouth. We we don't really pay much attention to what comes out of our mouth, and, and we point out something else that somebody else is doing wrong that we think is greater than what we're doing wrong. And, and so James gives us great advice 
Something else, uh, here, here's some advice from Proverbs, Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. How many people's parents told that to them, <laughs> right? You've heard this, keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. You say one more word, right? And then James says in seven and eight that we can tame all kinds of animals. We can tame reptiles and birds, but we can't control our tongue. What's he saying? Our mouth is uncontrollable without God. Without God intervening in our life, it's impossible for us to control our words. That's why I said one of the greatest signs, if not the greatest sign of spiritual maturity, is we can control what we say. And we're never going to be able to control our tongue on our own. We, we can do better for a while, right? We, we can do good for a week or two, but without God in our life, we'll never be able to get control of it. We can kill a person's reputation simply with our mouth. And I think that's why James says it's a deadly poison. It's deadly. People destroy people on social media every single day. They kill people's reputations. And they'll say, well, uh, I only typed it. I really didn't say it. Yeah, you said it. You just put your words onto the screen. Here's another reason we need to control our words. Learning number three, our words reveal our true identity. They really do. My tongue says who I really am. It shows really what's inside of my heart. And it says whether I'm spiritually healthy or spiritually sick. Now think about it. What's the first thing uh, that the doctor does when you go into the doctor's office? Other than take their copay, right? We know that. But the first thing they do is they tell you to open your mouth. And they stick a piece of wood in there and they look all around, right? Why? Because a, a doctor, a nurse, a nurse practitioner, they can tell a lot about what's physically going on inside of us by looking inside of our mouth. And that's what James is saying our tongue can tell how healthy we are spiritually, right? So, so our mouth in more ways than one tells what's going on inside of us. Are we physically sick? Are we spiritually sick? Is our heart sick? It's what our tongue says. And then James says how inconsistent we are with our words. In verses 9 and 10, he says we praise you know, with our mouth, we praise our Lord and Father, and then we curse human beings who are made in the image of God. Is that not so true? Unfortunately, we're so quick to change our speech. We could be in here on a Sunday, and we could be praising and worshiping God with our mouth, and then we go and we get in the car, right? And we're yelling at our kids. We're arguing with our spouse or we're cussing the guy in front of us because he's not driving fast enough. He does not realize we're heading to the restaurant and we want to beat everybody else there and he's driving too slow, right? But that's what we do. And, and James says we do this to people who are in God's likeness, made in God's likeness. So, so just some reflection questions and you're not answering out loud. You're just kind of reflecting on these, but how do you treat people that voted different than you did? How do you talk about people that voted differently than you did? 
Or how do you talk about people that have a different lifestyle than you have? How do you talk about people that uh, don't have the same work ethic as you have? Do you treat them with respect, like we talked about week three or week five, rather? Or do you treat them like an arch enemy? Are we polite to them? Do we love them regardless? God says good and bad cannot come out of the same mouth, should not be coming out of the same mouth. So can I just be real transparent to you and real honest with you? You know, what bothers me the most about me is that I can say something kind and loving to a complete stranger, yet I can say some of the most unloving and unkind things to people that are closest to me. And that bothers me. And I bet I'm not the only one that struggles with that. Why is it that we say some of the most hurtful and unloving things to the people we love the most and we care about the most, the people we're married to, the people we're raising, to our good friends? What causes that? And James tells us. He says this. I'm going to read it again. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Now, James is saying whatever's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth, right? Whatever's in the tree is going to come out in the fruit, or as I like to say, whatever's in the well is going to come up in the bucket. He's saying the deeper problem is not our mouth and our tongue. The deeper problem is with our heart. Because our words, right, our words will eventually say what's really on the inside of us. So what can we do for our heart? And we talk about that around here a lot. We even talked about it briefly week two when we talked about anger. But we can get a new heart, right? We, we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us with our words and with our mouth. Absolutely. But we can also ask the Holy Spirit, to change our heart. God's in the heart-changing business. Do you realize this? Years ago, when I felt this call into ministry, I did not want to leave corporate America. I enjoyed what I was doing, and I felt God was leading me into ministry, so I prayed about it. And I said, God, I'm willing to go into ministry, but... And I, I put a lot of stipulations on God. And two big stipulations I put on God is I don't ever want to go overseas... And I don't ever want to become a senior pastor. Don't ever tell God you're not going to do something. I went to six countries that you would never vacation at. But you know, every time I prayed about that and said, but God, I don't want to do this. I also added another but, and I said, but you have permission to change my heart. Because I will never be drawn to do these things if you don't change my heart. So you always give God permission to change your heart. And that's what he does. He changes our hearts. And if we can change our heart, the words we speak are going to be different. Ezekiel 18.31 says, Put your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Sometimes we just got to admit, hey, obviously I got a heart problem. It doesn't help to change the outside if we don't change the inside. 
right? We, we can change the way we act. We can change the way we dress. We can modify the way that we look, but we have to change the way we speak because that reveals what's truly inside of us. And really, that's why Jesus came, to give us a new heart. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You know, when David committed adultery with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, he said, create in me a clean heart, O God. And that's what we need. We need a clean heart. We, we need to pray, God, give me, give me a clean heart. Give me a, a fresh start. Give me a new heart. So yeah, we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us with our mouth and to control our words, but we can also ask the Holy Spirit to change our heart. Why do we need God and the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit to do that in us? Because again, remember what James said, our mouth is uncontrollable. Our tongue is uncontrollable if God's not a part of our life. It's not going to happen. Psalm 141 verse 3, take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. So the greatest proof that we're filled with God's Holy Spirit, I think, is that we can control what we say. So many people say, oh, all these are the signs if you've got the Holy Spirit. No, if you can control what comes out of your mouth, you are filled with God's Spirit, but because we cannot do it on our own. So I ask this question, what does your heart say about you? What does your heart say about you? If we could go back and rewind for the past two weeks, every conversation we've had and everything we've said, excluding the softball game last weekend, all right? If we could look at everything that we said, what would our hearts say about us? What would our words say about us? What direction would our tongue say that we're heading? The only way to get control of our tongue is to let Christ change our heart. It's not going to happen any other way. He's got to be both the bit and the rudder of our life in order to control what comes out of our mouth. We're just simply not strong enough to do it on our own. Our words are so incredibly powerful. They're, they're damaging. They can kill. But on the other side of that, our words can be life-giving. I don't think we realize the influence our words have on our husband or our wife, or our words have on our children, or even our grandchildren, or, our, or that our words can have on our friends, or a coworker, or a complete stranger. They're incredibly powerful. Our words in somebody else's life can last for a week, or they can last for that person's entire lifetime, and they can never shake those words that we spoke to them. Our words, as a matter of fact, could last for eternity. Right? If we steer somebody in the right direction or in the wrong direction. So that's why James says, hey, we got to choose our words carefully. we got to let God guide us and lead us and direct us. And, and ultimately, we have to let Christ change our heart to give us a, a new heart. And maybe you're watching from home or on vacation or you're here and you've never started a relationship with Jesus. What is that anyway? I mean, we talk about that a lot, but what does a relationship with Jesus look like? It means he's leading now our lives. 
He's calling the shots and all we're doing is following him. Right? We learn something, for example, like we do every Sunday here and we put that into our life. If it applies to us and it's something we need to change or adjust or improve on or stop doing, then we do it. Right? That's allowing Christ to lead our lives. But we're no longer in control. See, our sin separates us from God. God is sinless. We're not. And he cannot tolerate sin. So he sent Christ to pay for our sins. But part of that getting that forgiveness of our sins, we have to have a relationship with Christ. We have to invite him into our life. That's what a relationship with Christ looks like. It's a relationship with the one that paid the penalty for us. And then we model his behavior. We follow his instructions and his guidelines. Not what this person says you need to do or this person needs to do, but what does Jesus say we need to do? And then when God sees us, once we have that relationship with Christ, once we've invited him into our life, guess what? He doesn't any longer see Scott's sin and Scott's baggage and Scott's mistakes. He sees Jesus in Scott. And he sees Scott as sinless because of what Jesus did. So listen, maybe you've never done that. Maybe nobody's really explained that and, or, or somebody told you, oh, you got to do all these things first. But no, Christ accepts us wherever we're at. And if you've never done that and you want to do that, as we pray today, I'll lead you in a prayer to do that. But we have to start changing in here our heart so that those words we speak are life-giving and not damaging. Let's pray together. God, help us to control our mouths and our words and our tongues. Help us to control and filter what we say. God, I know there's a lot of times I don't give much thought to some things I say. But you've shown us all today just how powerful our words are and how they can destroy lives, how they can control our entire life and the direction that we're heading. Lord, but we acknowledge that we can't do it without you. We can't make lasting change without you in our life. We may be good for a week or two, but that's it. So Lord, help us to stop the damage that we've done with our mouths. Give us not only a new mouth, but a new heart. And maybe you're watching today as we're praying or you're here and you, you've never started that relationship with Jesus. Let me encourage you. Why don't you do that right now? Just pray from your heart. You're not praying out loud. You're just praying from the quietness of your heart. And say, Jesus, you know what? It makes sense to me. I need to follow you instead of trying to call all the shots and make all the decisions. I need you in my life because I'm a sinner. And I don't want to be held accountable for that sin. So as best I know how, I'm inviting you into my life, into my heart. I'm asking you to give me a new heart. Give me a new tongue. Give me a new life. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything 
that you do, just how patient you are with us when there's things in our life that we need to change. Lord, we, we pray for our community. We pray for our nation. We pray for the world. Lord, that you would put evil at bay. Lord, I know everybody that's watching, everybody that's here, we're all dealing with something on a personal level. We all walked in here today or tuned in today with issues going on in our life. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a relationship issue, a marriage issue, a work issue, friendship issue, but we're all dealing with something. Maybe it's health. Lord, you know exactly what each of us is struggling with and dealing with. So as best I know how, I'm asking you, Lord, to hear those, those cries, those prayers, those concerns. You promise us in your scripture that you understand and you walk through anything with us. And no matter what somebody's dealing with, I just ask that you would reveal yourself to them in such a way that they know that you're there, that you're still in control. Lord, thank you that we can ask you anything. Thank you that you don't get tired of us and you don't give up on us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so real quick, just a couple of things. Uh, first of all, there is going to be a group this session, uh, a mission group. They're going to go to Belgium. We're sending a team to Belgium. And if that's something, I know a lot of you have asked about missions at the church. If that's something that you're interested in, I want to encourage you to sign up for that group. You can do it on the Church Center app or on the website. There's no commitment. You can get all the information about the trip and decide if it's something that God's calling you to do. And I think today is the last day to sign up to lead a group, and then next week we'll start with our summer group sign-up. So I want to encourage you uh, to get in a group. They're six to ten weeks long. Uh, some of them aren't even that long. Uh, and it's just a great way to meet new people on a smaller level uh, than on a Sunday. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, adventure camp sign-ups are going on right now. I think about half of those slots have already been taken. That's for up-and-coming first graders to up-and-coming fifth graders. So if you want to get rid of your kids for three days, it's well worth it just for that alone. But I guarantee your kids will have an incredible time. So make sure those slots are going to fill up fast that you sign up for that. So as we finish up, those connection cards on that church center app, fill those out. If you have prayer requests, we have a, a prayer team that's faithful to pray through those each and every week. We're honored to be able to pray alongside of you for whatever is on your heart, whatever your desire is, whatever it is that you need from the Lord. If you're worshiping today through generosity, the best way to do that is online, uh, or you can do it in the black boxes in the back. But I hope you have a terrific Sunday afternoon. It's going to be a beautiful day. Make sure you get outside. Thanks for taking time to be with us. God bless you, and we'll see you next Sunday.